everyone. Episode number 15, and today I've got on a psychotherapist. She, her name is Charmaine Berry. She's got over 20 years of experience in therapy and working with people. She's worked with and, and cured like hundreds, hundreds of people. She's trained and qualified in many areas of therapy, which I want to like get some information on today from her, like get her to discuss those areas and ones that she prefers. Um, but we're very much going to focus on, I think we'll focus on one area. Um, I think it's like to do with the part, I don't know if anyone would have heard of these, but like parts of ourselves um, and how these parts dictate our lives in a way, I guess. And how like we, I think nearly all people have these parts and it's how to, you know, we're going to have a chat about like, how to communicate with these parts of ourselves that almost like they're there to help us but also they can end up running our own lives and that's why i want to discuss this with charmaine and, and yeah like go deep into like why that is and why we have parts in the first place and how these parts like play a big part in our lives so so yeah hope you enjoy this one um, yeah, because I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. So yeah, let, let's go. Yeah, um, th thanks for that. Thanks for coming on today, and thanks for this time. I really appreciate it. But yeah, if you just obviously your name, Charmaine. But if you just like to in introduce yourselves to everyone who's going to be listening. Thank you, Lou. Thank you for inviting me to do this um yeah my name is Charmaine Berry and I well there's different layers to the story but in a nutshell um did a psychology degree over 20 years ago and um and got very interested in the field of psychotherapy and did a counseling diploma to begin with I didn't really know what all these different things were but started with a counseling diploma then um, got interested in cognitive behavioral therapy, trained as a CBT therapist, did a little bit of transactional analysis training, um, became accredited as a CBT therapist, and then that entitled me then to train in something called EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which is a trauma-focused, trauma-processing intervention. That switched me on to something called ego state therapy, I did some training in that. And then that led me to um, internal family systems training. That was about six years ago. And IFS has pretty much taken over my life <laughs> since, since doing that. It's an incredible model. And in the backdrop to that as well, I've also been on like a spiritual seekers path very intensely for the past 10 years as well. So that's taken me through the realms of Tantra and um, plant medicines and shamanism and crystal healing and energy healing and you know all, all of these things um, and uh, more recently exploring A Course in Miracles looking at the true nature of our reality non-dualistic teachings and that kind of thing um, and it just feels like the, the whole thing seems to be converging and meeting <laughs> in, a, in a kind of a truth so it's quite exciting. Yeah, so it's gonna just from hearing you list them all. That's what I was gonna say. Anyway, it sounds like from the start, it's just been a path that's been leading you up to one place. 
almost. Yeah, it 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 feels it feels like that in in hindsight now with the um, benefit of time, I suppose it looks like it was a path, like a pathway trying to get somewhere and to lead somewhere. But I think that kind of ties into um, fundamental human nature where we, you know, at the core of us, somewhere very deep, somewhere in the shadows, we have this sense that there's something wrong with us and that we've got to fix something and we've got to heal something. You know, we're not really consciously aware that we're, that we're doing that. And then we set out on this, you know, journey of discovery and trying to heal and get, and get better. So I can see, like, I de definitely, definitely did that. <laughs> through psychology and spiritualism, like I was on this kind of mission, it felt like, like a journey um, to get better or to get well or something, something like that. Um, yeah. But then kind of realizing, I'm not saying I'm at the end of it, or realizing that um, I was all right anyway. <laughs> it never ends anyway, does it? Really? Well, they say not, yeah. And there's always another, you know, the, the, the menu of things that you can pick and choose from and the things that you can go and explore and do is endless, you know, the, the spiritual kind of industry, if you like, and it's just endless, you know. But it's interesting to know what it is that we're trying to do, like what is it that we're actually trying to achieve in that, yeah. in that process, you know, is, um, is really interesting. And I think really... The reason why I've stayed so much with the internal family system as a psycho-spiritual model is because it ticks a lot of boxes and gives a lot of explanation about that journey and about who we think we are and what we think we need to do, um, as well as it being a really brilliant way to heal trauma. Trauma is significant in, mm. in the journey. And when you say yeah. internal family systems took over, has took over your life, like why? But why is that? Like, what is it? Like, why, why is it? It just seemed to like really speak towards truth. Like if you can look at truth as a capital T truth, like there is a perennial truth that is the truth. <laughs> and many of us are, are out looking for that. We've got these, these ideas that we all have our own individual truth. Like this is my truth and you have your truth. And we, you know, we do in terms of our identity, but then there's truth, <laughs> like just, you know, what is. And IFS, without me realizing it then, was pointing towards that, what the, what the truth is. And just the way that it laid out um, how we can understand the mind and therefore ourselves just made a lot of sense. I had a lot of questions that I brought with me through that whole psychology, spiritual search. And when I got to internal family systems, it just seemed to answer many, not all, but many, many of those questions in a very relatable um, way. Like, you know, when people hear about the IFS model and what it's explaining, it tends to resonate with everybody. There's nothing in it that you're not going to see about yourself in, in the understanding and the teaching of it. Um, it, it. It's the first psychotherapy model as well that, openly embraces the, the the essence of who we truly are some might say that's from a spiritual perspective um but in this model they call it self energy with a capital s self the, the truth of who you really are and then we've got this system like other people might call that the ego 
which is who we think we are. This is the source of our thinking and our thoughts and our beliefs. And it's, and it's the container where all our conditioning, past traumas, these kinds of things are kind of erroneously laid down in this network of what we parts in the system. And we think that's who we are. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we, it guides all our lives. It directs everything, every single thought you have, an action, and word and deed is actually coming from the system. It's not coming from the, the essence of who you truly are. And this is kind of also fitting into this narrative about an awakening, you know, like we're, we're raising consciousness and we're awakening as a humanity and these kinds of spiritual ideas. Um, is kind of, you know, you, you could on a, on a different level see it as the realization of who we truly are. And this model really helps us to orientate to that in a very spiritual and psychological way. It's the first time I've seen really how those two worlds have come together yeah. so powerfully, you know. Yeah, it's um, amazing. IFS. It is, yeah. yeah it is yeah. interesting as well when you say about when people think that like the ego is the most, but you're here which I think a lot of people can resonate with and they hear themselves say oh it's just who I am or this is what I do when it's not who you are and it's not yeah. what you do but people it's like people always use it and it's always like like justified like okay yeah that, that's who they are like I'll say it about my friends like oh that's just who, who, who that's just what they do it's like, it's, yeah yeah it's got me thinking about that though when you said it but yeah no it's really true it's like that when i hear you know when we say i say it as well and you know like i'm the kind of person who yeah. and then we've got this identity you know about who we think we are we we don't recognize that that's a that's a conditioning that's a reaction to something that happened to us before and we've created a strategy around it or something um when people have opinions like who doesn't have an opinion everybody has opinions and everyone's got an attitude and everyone's got a belief about things and it's not often that we stop and really question where did that opinion come from you're claiming it as yours this is my opinion <laughs> but it came from somebody else's opinion <laughs> where did they get it from you know when we really start to zoom out and see like wh where our thoughts and our beliefs come from um it's really fascinating it's really interesting and it, it's highly advisable that we do that as well because we learn that all you know the source of all pain and all suffering <laughs> comes from our thoughts and our beliefs mm. which is you know it's jaw-dropping really you know we think we're living in this terrible world and there's all these things happening and we're out of control and and actually these are ideas mm. that are coming from a conditioning from 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 this this system within the mind um everything's up for questioning you know in terms of who we you know your thoughts your thoughts are coming from the system and when you hear thinking going on in your mind it's actually the system communicating with itself it's parts talking to parts in the system and we're overhearing that and thinking that's us thinking <laughs> and we don't ever question it we don't question where they're coming from you know it's definitely hard to question if you're <laughs> not like aware of the like aware of those parts in the first place which is like that, that's the first stage anyone who is aware of the parts that's the only way they'll know when they're all communicating would it be like people people aren't aware of them right yeah we're not aware of them i mean we're not 
well, this model is, is, is started to be developed in the 80s, you know, and Dick Schwartz, amazing, beautiful guy, has been, you know, developing it since then. Um, and it's just really in the last 10, 10 years, there's a lot more awareness around it. But there are other models that point to this. You know, Carl Jung talks about archetypes and the different kind of sub-personalities that reside, seem to reside within the ego realm, as it were. And there's, you know, there's lots of ancient teachings that all point to this. Um, but we don't know that they're generally and understand that within the ego mind, the thinking mind, it's very, very fragmented and it's made up of, they don't even know how many thousands, millions, billions of different parts um, that all have different um, roles, have different um, thoughts, different strategies, and um, you know, and it, it arranges itself in this really complex system. But for example, you know, if I if I get triggered um, and I get angry, let's say, or frustrated. I might be like, oh my, you know, I'm really frustrated at this person doing, saying this to me or, you know, the usual stuff. Mm. And what I haven't noticed is that what's happened is something's happened in front of me. It's activated a part out of my system that doesn't like it. It's blended into my nervous system and it's the one that's frustrated, not me. It's part of me that's frustrated. And when the situation gets resolved or, you know, I'd say something or whatever, that part will unblend and go back again where it was. And these parts are jumping in and out of our nervous systems 99.9% .9 of the time. <laughs> we are in a part, yeah, pretty much in a part all of the time. If it hasn't a thought or an opinion or an attitude or an emotion, this is how we can really understand emotions as well. If you're having any of those kinds of experiences, you're in your system, you're in a part. You're only in self-energy, self, the qualities of self-energy, uh, it's just unconditional love, really. Compassion, joy, bliss, these kinds of states that we're chasing, we're out there chasing these states, is actually deeply embedded within us. We just don't access it. We don't, we don't be in self-energy because the system is overriding it all the time with our thoughts our emotions and therefore our behaviors and therefore this kind of life that we think we're building mm. becomes the priority. Yeah, yeah. It becomes the distraction. It becomes a massive, big whopping addiction. <laughs> we become really addicted to our concepts of a life, you know, and it takes all our time, attention, energy. It's tiring. It's draining. It's painful. We can't quite get it right. We're trying to control it. We're trying to get more. If I get more, it'll be better. We're, we're, we're off, you know, on this big seeking, I must get better path. And what IFS teaches is, is, is like, you know, that's never going to work. <laughs> You're never going to get there, no, no. ever. <laughs> what you can do, though, is, is heal these parts that make you think that you're not good enough or in pain or angry or, you know, all these things that keep coming in. And when we heal that, the self, the, the truth, the self just emerges. It just emerges. <laughs> we didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's what's beautiful about it. And, um, you know, it's also on that journey, we, you know, it helps us to, with the IFS model, 
collapse the trauma memories, if you like, heal the trauma memories that keep us stuck in patterns of not good enough. And because this happened to me, it's because my mum left me or because my childhood sweetheart did this to, or whatever story we've got going on in the past. If we don't go and move that out of the way, it will serve to continue to um, direct, there's a word there I can't quite get, but um, influence, mm. you know, it'll carry on influencing our lives, you know, unless we face, we face into it. Um, so it kind of taps into, you know, people talk about doing shadow work. You must have heard that. Heard shadow work and yeah. inner child work and all these kinds yeah. of things. Oh, it's, yeah. it's all... It's all the same thing, different language. Um, integrating the shadow, there's loads of stuff about that in the spiritual communities and stuff. Um, but it actually gives us a like a clear framework and a clear model and a clear way to do it. Yeah. That's why it's taken over my life. It, it works <laughs> and it helps people. <laughs> Definitely, if it helps and cures. And it I was reading something that said we, the parts that you speak about, that from from when we're born, we 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 all we always have them. Yeah. Like they're not something that we, like, just end up carrying through like what happens in life. But um, do how do you know anything about how is that or? Yeah, it's such a good question. That was a burning question of mine. I remember when I was doing the training, like, where did they come from? Like, I got really fixated on that. Makes me wonder about, like, all of it. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting. And my, you know, what I think I understand about that has deepened and deepened over time. Like, there's more pieces to the puzzle. Like, you know, you go up on that trailhead, like, oh, what are these things? And then, you know, it builds and builds this whole, this whole thing. But, in a nutshell, I think, you know, this is how Dick Schwartz would perhaps explain it. Um, we are in a, it's hard to talk about it without putting it into a much bigger spiritual context, but we're here in this realm mm. to have an experience. And we're here as like oneness, ultimately, the self-energy. And these parts came with us almost like an operating system to help us to express self-energy to help us express joy, love, kindness, compassion, all these things that we want on the planet. So that's what they were originally intended for. They're very playful. They're very young in their essence. They're, they're like, they are, they are childlike awareness, yeah? But what happens when we come into the realm, which is no mistake or accident, there's nothing wrong with this, we're actually faced with a lot of trauma we get born into quite often dysfunctional families with stressed out parents or absent parents. And then we get told who we are, there's expectations laid on us. And so these parts start to re-roll themselves to take on, to absorb the impact of the trauma, but also to protect us. They create strategies around survival in what's you know is often for many people hostile environments that we're born into and then we go to school that's even before we get to school um so these parts are all re-rolled before the age of seven a lot of theorists would say like this the, the kind of the system is pretty much set before you even get to the age of seven we've already been conditioned they get conditioned into thinking in a different kind of way yeah um 
so then we think that's who we are at the age of seven because nobody's explaining to us what's going on in the mind we're all just left to get on with it which is crazy um and so off we go with this false identity which usually has at its foundation the idea that i'm not good enough i don't deserve love i'm the odd one out i don't fit in here because essentially we don't but that's the impression that we've been given usually from our stressed out parents. And that's what happened to them when they were growing up. They had that trauma of that and um, nobody really seeing them, like nobody really meeting you as a person, as a child, and there's nobody there to do that. So we feel abandoned and we feel lost. And, you know, love seems like a distant memory from the realm where we were, like we're bereft. Everyone says they're carrying grief all the time we're bereft that we've lost this love, you know? Mm. So then we get on with survival. We, we get on with like protecting ourselves from that kind of pain again. We might decide and make little vows, even at seven, whatever years old, that we're gonna keep people at arm's length. We learn that love is dangerous, so we don't actually really dare to connect with people in a deep way. Um, and then the other, the other parts might then strategize to prove to the world that we're worthy of love. So then we become determined to be the best, to do well in life, to have a beautiful body, to earn more money, to get the bigger house. Off we go then, either trying to keep people at arm's length and being scared of love and having lots and lots of dysfunctional, weird relationships. (laughs) Trying to have a relationship but keep love at arm's length, that's tricky. Or we're trying to better ourselves in some way. And they're like the most popular too that people will so like signs of either one i mean there's probably many that people do but well everyone's trying to find the perfect relationship they're trying to find this you know being that's going to come and see through all that pain and just be there for you anyway and love you unconditionally but that scares us so we we might sabotage those relationships and all that stuff that happens and the other thing is the pursuit of money that seems to be quite favorite one like if you know if I can show or get loads of qualifications get a doctorate or you know pursue something that proves that I am worthy to be here and that's like and that's like a a driver for some people where but do you believe even if because even though that would push people to do things that might benefit them but do you think in the end that drive is not is gonna run out like that's not a good drive to your real self that you speak about. That that's the only drive that's gonna yeah. give you what you want. Like the other drive might yeah. take, might have took someone so far, in and even if they're not happy, but it could still. Is it not all bad? I don't know. No, if it no not, none of it's wrong. Like we don't want to label any of it as bad. Yeah, it's literally but, just what happens. This is yeah, just the human experience. You know, it's only it's only our egos that judge it. There's nothing wrong with any of it. it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter whether you're taking heroin yeah. or you're doing yoga every day. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the it's the same coin. It's two sides of the same coin. It's still an attempt to escape pain. It's still a call for love. Yeah. Either, either side, doesn't matter what the pursuit is. There will always come a time, these kinds of strategies have built within them um, a half-life. You can only do any of them for so long and some circumstance will take it from you. Even if it's, you know, age catches up on you. 
Um, heroin's going to take its toll on you. You know, I know lots and lots of really stressed out people who do yoga every day. This, they're, they're, they're not, it doesn't give you what, you what it is that you think. It can make you feel better and soothe you. Yeah, yeah, and we might give ourselves a pat on the back because I'm doing something good, but we've labeled that as good, you know. Um, but eventually we, we find, we get tired. We, we, we notice that we're still dissatisfied. Yeah. You know, the body starts to age anyway. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It's still heading in the same direction. Everybody's going in the same direction, you know. And hopefully then there's like another layer of like realization or waking up or something that this isn't it. You can't find it there. And then people start searching for the self, for the, for the truth. Yeah. And all the millions of, there's millions and millions and millions of options and ways that you can do that. Yeah, but... <laughs> so many ways. And, uh, you know, we, we usually start off on a spiritual path, looking at, you know, oh, what's all this about? And start off, people might go into a religion and go, oh, what's this about? Like, there's a, there's, a, there's a trailhead that takes you into it. It's not it, but it's a direction to go in, you know. Yeah, that ends up um, taking... Sorry? That ends up whatever direction everyone's... It's taken us, there's a, some, taken us somewhere. Because I yeah. believe, I don't know if you're the same, like, I believe that lots of things that happen was like, is, is how like, I kind of like a path that was already set like a lot of people disagree with me but it's just the way I believe it is it true yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, almost like from like yeah from born the family you're in everything I've been through and I see like wow like the coincidences are so strong that they can't be coincidence and I'm like well it's like all this stuff was meant to be and then it makes me even hard things are easier to accept yeah no, I love that. There's a lot of liberation comes with that, you know, in, um, in non-dualistic teachers as an understanding, which is extremely liberating, <laughs> that everything's just happening. It's just yeah. literally what's happening. Yeah, it's a, a movie, you could call it, or a script or whatever word. It's running. Mm. There's nothing you can do to stop it or change it. You don't even actually have any free will. This freaks a lot of people out, but it's, I think it's so liberating. You don't even really have any free, you don't have any free will in it. These thoughts and these choices that you think you're making are not actually yours. They're all coming from a system and we're looking at it from the IFS perspective. Well, it's just a movie that's running. What we can do is let go of the illusion that you can control it. You can let go of the illusion of judging it, whether it's right or wrong or good or bad. What happens if we just experience it and accept it? Radical acceptance of what's going on and start having fun with that. <laughs> Just enjoy it, <laughs> you know, let go of the seriousness of it and just go for it, you know. I think, control, I think controlling things is, is a big problem for pe a lot of people, though, they needing to be no, in control of everything, yeah. which is like impossible and just drives you into the ground. Absolutely, because there is no control, that it's, it's an yeah, illusion, it's just like the ego. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And how liberating is that? You don't even have to do anything. You don't even... <laughs> that's I think that's amazing. It does make me feel better <laughs> about things like when you happen. I used to always read it, hear about it, until I started experiencing it. And really, like, you know it. And I was like, oh, this is true to me. And it is true. But yeah, I think, yeah. I yeah, you know. You know, an invitation to try it. With control, with the illusion of control, comes the feeling of anxiety. Mm. This is, you know, we could say it's 
it's one of the main sources of anxiety. So anxiety comes from um, the need to control, but with that comes a whole range of expectations about how things should be. It should be like this. Mm. So it's kind of okay when things turn out like that, they might do, but it's very anxiety provoking when they don't, when people feel like they're losing this control that they never had in the first place. It causes, you know, a lot of mental health, so-called mental health problems really <clears throat> relate to these very fundamental ideas that we think we're in control and that things should go my way. And the other main principle is that there's good and bad and that we should judge things. I mean, that's the source of all yeah. <laughs> suffering. You ne you're never going to win that one. Never. Well, there's too many different ways to look at it. Too many opinions. Yeah. What, yeah. yeah. What, what's yeah. good to one person is bad to another. So it's like, well, what is it then? It's, it's not, it's neither. It's like, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and in, and in um, again, non-dualistic teachings and things like that, there really is no good and bad. There really is no division. There really is no duality. Everything's allowed here. Everything comes from, you know, God or whatever word you want to put it. And it's all allowed. Just stop judging it. Stop causing yourself pain. Like you've got to fix it and sort it out. Just accept it. And if everyone on, on the planet did that, we'd have peace on earth. That's pretty much peace on earth, really. Yeah, it's a big job that though. I think that's even just for the world, never mind the world, but for one person. I know it's, you know, it, I believe it's happening, but one person at a time. But that's why I think the awareness to it, that people are never going to change what they don't know anything about, are they? Is there, you have to know, yeah. Is there ways to like, there's, I don't know, like things in the future to get these kind of ideas, get people being curious of these things? Because we are made to be curious anyway, aren't we? That's our natural disposition, yeah. yeah. Just to be not, not threatened by something, but curious about, yeah. you know, about something. The thing is with the ego mind, when we're operating from it, it kind of, it becomes its own sort of, encased system and within it we're not aware of what we're not aware of <laughs> and you know what i mean we don't know what we don't know and we're assuming that this is it yeah. this is everything and we, and we keep operating from this very limited you know if you listen to your thoughts even for five minutes or over the course of a day like really listen to them they're very repetitive yeah. they usually start with what if they're littered with things like should, rules, regulations. Mm. They don't go anywhere. They never give you an answer. They're very critical in nature. They're very judgmental in nature. They're very much, you know, worried about the future and this kind of concept. The future doesn't even exist. It gives us an illusion of a timeline. I mean, it's, it's pretty awful, you know, and we don't, we don't even question it. <laughs> we think this is it tiny it's like a little speck it's limited yes, it's just a thought <laughs> in the end it's just a thought you know, we could look at them that way always every single one because yeah, that's always. part of work so yeah in the end when you're aware of it you can just say it's just a thought and the feeling it's it's just a feeling yeah. so. it's just what's happening yeah I guess that's what helps you 
would you is that what what helps you understand your parts in a way is it but you have if you if you're aware of your thoughts and your feelings will that does that connect you is that like a road to connecting you to your parts if you in a way yeah i suppose the first step is realizing that you're having thoughts and you're having emotions and not yours but this is what's going on and then the next bit really is to get curious about that yeah. and what we do with the actual therapy process is um, you allow yourself to feel the emotion wherever that is in the body or I'm just going to go with emotion for now but you can do it in other ways but feel the emotion and then take your awareness we just use the word awareness or your presence and focus it as if you're looking from the inside focus it into the emotion and stay open-minded and, and, and just see what transpires so you're actually looking into the limbic region of the brain, which is where everything's kind of conceptualized in image. So you're going in to see how this is conceptualized in your own mind and working with it from that perspective. So when people do that and they point in, anything can happen. You know, quite often people meet with a memory straight away that's related to this emotion or they see a version of themselves in childhood in that situation as like a little, you know, parts are actually little autonomous beings. Mm. They're, not, they're not words, they're not sentences or thoughts. When you go to the thoughts, it's conceptualized as a, as a little being or a symbol. And it's got its own life. It's got its own multidimensional facets to it. It's holding memory. It's, um, it's got an, uh, an opinion or a belief about itself. And it's kind of like lost in this big system often. Um, the, if it's what we call an exile part, it's the part of you that absorbed the actual energy of the trauma and it's holding it and it's still in that traumatized state. Or if we meet um, manager parts that are also in the system, they're trying to protect the exile by those strategies that we talked about before, striving or hiding or whatever. Um, so that's how we actually go in and meet them. And then we take them through a therapy process. We unburden the exile. We get the trauma memory to, to process. We help the managers re-roll and go back to their original childlike role. Managers. Um, yeah, it's very powerful. Yeah, because I've seen that when you said about exiles and managers, and then there was like, then there's another one, is there? Yeah, there's well, there's exiles and managers, but there's two kind of categories of managers. So there's there's kind of um, preemptive managers, the strivers, the doers, the people pleasers, the hard workers, the yeah. Yeah. you know, look at me as all of that stuff, tension grabbing ones, and and all we've all got all that going on. And then there's the, re the reactive managers that uh, in the model are called firefighters. Yeah. So let's say we've been really activated and the exile's been really triggered. We've had a really what we might call a crap day or, you know, whatever. And we're feeling pretty, you know, we're still feeling the exile. We're still feeling low. Then what can happen in reaction to that is a firefighter gets activated, just wants to put out the flames and make everything feel okay again. He just wants to balance the system back out. And it usually reaches out for some sort of substance or quite kind of like, you know, impulsive kind of behavior or something that's just gonna make everything go okay. So for some people that can mean just completely numbing out emotionally, they just numb out and switch off. Other people might go and get, you know, a bottle of wine or it's heroin or it's going for a run, but like running like crazy up a hill or something, like just something to get out of this, this exile state. 
And so these are the kind of behaviors that are leaning more towards addiction, what we call addiction in other models. And so we've got like parts in the system that are actually the role holders for addictive behaviors. Um, so IFS is very is brilliant at helping us understand and 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 unlayer, on demystify addiction when we understand the dynamics yeah, yeah. of it. Yeah, I guess because we're getting to the core of the addiction. Yeah, which is from yeah, the yeah, yeah. part. It is from the firefighter part. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the, but the firefighter is protecting the exile, so you can't. It's it's it's, it's really it's difficult. A system. The, the, Thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's in a, a, a triangle sort of thing, but it's really difficult to heal the addiction, addiction behavior, unless we go and heal the exile. When the, when the exile's healed, the firefighter doesn't I need to do it. that anymore. Yeah. It, yeah. it stops doing it. Yeah. So it really brings, you know, the awareness and understanding of addiction to life. You know, it's, um, it's a very powerful way to heal it. You know, the... When people, when there's a firefighter, firefighter part involved, is that like when people would like show behaviors where they're like, wow, that's not me. And people like, that was not you. When it says like, wow, what was, and then afterwards where they'd feel embarrassed and like shame, like, wow, what? Because he'll do anything to protect the exile part. And it means they'll do things that just don't look, don't, it's just not them. Is, is, is that like what they're doing yeah. as well? Yeah, and it might, you know, yeah, we might say it's really out of character yeah. or, you know, and afterwards the next day, the critic jumps in the next day and goes, what the hell did you do that for? The shaming afterwards, you know, that happens internally and it also happens, you know, in society. But if the circumstances are right and if that's, that exile has been activated in such a way or deeply hurt, the firefighter will stop at nothing. It doesn't care what it does. Yeah. often to stop that pain all it wants to do is stop the pain and it's like a literal firefighter when a, when a fireman goes into a house with his with his you know his spray he just sprays the whole building he doesn't give a shit you know what he's destroying or watch the tv they don't think like that it's just get these flames out so there's collateral damage <laughs> after yeah. we've after we've you know but the beautiful thing about it, you know, if this is happening to some, if we're doing this and we're stuck in these patterns or somebody we love or our family members, you know, go out and maybe get lost for a few days or do crazy, you know, whatever it is, that we can really understand and relate to them using this model, that it's not them, it's a, it's a part of them that did that. And really, fundamentally, they didn't have any choice. These firefighters are so powerful like superpowers you know when they take us over they really take us over we've all had experience of that yeah. um like we couldn't stop ourselves we say it's a red red flag to a bull or you know i saw red we just it's like it just literally takes us over and we're punching somebody or we're smashing a window you know or or, or we're screaming out of the car window or whatever we just it just happens we can't judge it. Yeah, it makes sense. Society wants to punish it. And this is what yeah. deepens the wounds because usually these kinds of firefighter behaviors are punishable in our society. Yeah. You know, but what do we think happens to that firefighter and the exile when society 
comes and punishes that behaviour. Yeah, it hurts it even further. It hurts it even more. It ingrains it even deeper. We really have to look at the way that we're, you know, dealing with each other. Yeah. It's going to take such a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never know. <laughs> I, believe, I believe it's even from my life what I've seen that things have got, got much better with yeah. the way people are, like when, like, and I understand when people say like, the world's a horrible place and everything, I was like, it's, it's not, it's actually, it's just, the, it's just the perception of what's going on, but yeah, it's always gone on. <laughs> it's like, always it gone on, happen. and it always will go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an eternal realm, there's no ending to this, it's eternal, I know. Yeah. Well, I know you, the news box to give us the impression that we've got climate crisis and it's coming to an end yeah. and we're going to get nuked and all these kinds of, you know, yeah. myths that have been around from perhaps whenever. Yeah, <laughs> whenever we think it's going to hit the earth or this was going to happen and, and this stuff's always been happening. Like you say, things are always happening. But to know always. that things have always been happening, like you said, it gives you that liberation to be like, it's okay. But people who get so hooked on like the news and everything that's going on, where it's yeah, it just makes them crazy. There's, there's, yeah, yeah there's nothing, but it feeds the ego. Mm. Sorry, that's when they say to everyone like, "Oh, the world's horrible," and that's from everything. They just this thing. I was like, "Yeah, but these things have always happened." Not... Yeah, and there's nothing you can you can kind of do about. It. I mean, not not to say don't be compassionate and don't you know do what yeah. you can, but come out of the the idea that I think a lot of people are holding this idea that there's this terrible end on it. It's going to come at some point, you know, and, and we're watching out for the next thing and look at what the government's done now or, you know, whatever that. Yeah. But then people point, end, that's going to go on forever. People end up doing it every day then, but even when they walk out the door, looking out and then they get to work, they're looking out and everyone just ends up always looking out for the problem. It's like conditioned to look for problems instead of just chill. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Like and you're it's right, it's just, it's just conditioning from a time when we were tiny, you know, in our, yeah. in our childhoods, and then we're carrying that conditioning, conditioning on. You know, people do refer to, like, the cosmic joke, like there's a divine comedy going on, you know, <laughs> and it's just the way that we're taking ourselves so seriously. Yes. You know, we really think all these terrible things are happening. And uh, and that we actually die, and it's all you know. But it's 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 none of that. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you spoke. You know, you spoke about me memory, and I don't know if I'm saying this in the right order, but memory from trauma, or is it trauma from memory? And it gets, well, yeah, memory from trauma, and like, it, it does it get held like in our bodies, muscles. You know, when you're saying about a child, you know, when we don't get to process things or speak about things, like, the experience myself and just from what I read about, like, do, do things go into our muscles, into our bodies? Is like, is it a cause of pain? Well, once upon a time, I would have said, yeah, that's what happens. It goes onto a memory network and, you know, we, we, we've got memory that runs all the way through every single cell in the body and that we keep a record in the muscle memory or whatever of, of that event happening and how it made us feel or tense or, you know, and mm -hmm. if we don't tend to it, it's going to cause pain all the time. 
Um, and I can still kind of vibe, vibe with that, but I'm learning more and more that all of that is coming from the mind. Um, and not to say that, you know, doing things in the physical body, like somatic release things and pressure release and things like that don't help. But if we don't come to the mind and, and heal it there, um, you know, it does, it does kind of get stored. There's a perception that it's stored in the body. Let's put it that way. There's a very real perception that it is stored in the body. It's just from the mind. But it's from the mind. Everything, everything emanates from the mind. So if I'm, just I'm getting this right, it's, we think it's stored in the body because of the mind, but really nothing's stored at all. It's all just in the mind. So, <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I know. Yeah. People yeah. say, oh, the pain, it's all just in your head. But that's a difficult thing to grasp for a lot of people, isn't it? Because it doesn't help in the, in the situation. But No, it doesn't straight away. But I've been, you know, since I've been understanding these things, whenever I get pain now, pain happens. I see it more as pain happening and I don't get into a story of like, oh my God, what if it's this? Quick, yeah. I better get to the doctors and I might need some antibiotics. And usually in the past, this big story would, and I've now got to go and find somebody to try and fix this, fix this pain. Not saying that that's not needed ever, yeah, yeah, but I find that when I just go, oh, pain, and I literally say pain is happening. I'm going to ignore it. It tends to just dissipate. It's not getting any joy from me. It's not, I'm not getting into a dynamic with it. I'm just letting it go because it's coming from parts. <laughs> I know it's coming from my part system. I don't want to play. I don't want to get into that. Yeah. Or I can go the other way and say, okay, I've got a pain. Um, I've got a pain in my chest. It keeps coming back. It's quite sharp, whatever. Well, I might take some time to put my attention in, do the IFS. Yeah. Um, uh, process with it and see if there's a part there that needs me that is looking for some healing and see if the, and see if I can heal it that way Interesting. Yeah. um yeah. but it it pretty much works I think it works every time <laughs> I think it does uh, make sense that it would yeah yeah and there's just one more thing I wanted to ask you about parts. Yeah. You know, you, know, you said something about it, um, them being there, but it, how it relates to a bigger picture. And it says, yeah, and then like, well, yeah, that's it. Like, what, what, what do you mean by that, first of all? <laughs> about the bigger picture. So in... Eastern philosophies and teaching, like the Bhagavad Gita, and I've been reading a kind of a Western version of that called A Course in Miracles over the last few years. I'm not reading it now, but it was an amazing experience. There's an understanding that this realm or the way that we are experiencing it and all this sense of identity is an illusion. Mm. And so we could say that these parts are kind of like an operating system that cause and maintain the illusionary realm when we look at it from this kind of other perspective yeah so it's um it's a bit like the matrix but not like the matrix where <laughs> there's this illusory realm 
you know, like when Neo unplugs in the Matrix and he pulls all that stuff out of the back of his head and, and then he realizes he's in this kind of weird dystopian machine world, yeah? It's a bit like that for us, like being in this operating system. But when we unplug from it, we don't realize we're in a dystopian world. We realize we're actually in heaven. We realize that we're in a beautiful garden of Eden. We just can't see it whilst we're plugged into this. So this is looking at more non-dualistic, some people might call it spiritual way of looking at the system. This is not what Dick Schwartz would say about IFS, by the way, I just want to <laughs> say that. But, you know, when, when we, actually there is a kind of a movement, I think within the IFS um, community or development, if you like, of, of actually starting to incorporate these bigger picture ideas about what these parts actually are. The fault is, it, it, it's a false reality in a, in a way. A false reality that is based on fear mm. through trauma. And that's why, because I, you know, for years I was asking, why is it so traumatic here? Why do we all have traumatic childhoods? Is there something weird going on here? It's not, it's everybody's having a traumatic childhood. This is planet trauma. It's freaking everywhere. Why? But when we look at it through the, the lenses of understanding that it's a false reality and it's the trauma that makes it false, some would say that we are here in this false reality to experience what it's like to be special, have an identity away from God, to have to be our own little gods, our own little identities. That's impossible because we're at source we're all one. But this system gives us the opportunity. It's like a, a virtual reality suit that we stick on and feel what it's like to be separated from God. And we pretty much always find out it sucks. It's painful. We're lost. We're bereft. We don't know who, who we are really. Yeah. We're scared all the time. There's a lot of fear. We don't know how to connect with each other. This is us trying on the experience of being godless. And this is what you get, a chaotic, crazy planet. But not really, because it's just an illusion. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, a, yeah. The fear drives that illusion. Which drives yeah. the trauma and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also dependent upon fear. Let's just say we could suck all the fear off, the, off everybody's minds tomorrow. We would instantaneously be in paradise. Like, There's been no fear. Unplug in a way. <laughs> we'd be we just unplug fear. Let's just unplug fear and let's see what everybody does. Joy. <laughs> Celebration. <laughs> Yeah, people for weeks. I mean, I don't watch it anyway, but imagine a world without the news. I said everyone would speak about different things. It'd be amazing. Right. Yeah. You know, and some teachers say that that's what the whole lockdown COVID thing was about. That it's about the ego functions getting switched off, sending everybody home to go in. Yeah. reflect stop doing stop doing doing stop traveling stop spending your money stop just stop it it was a gift from god some might say a lot of to people. have the opportunity yeah absolutely what a beautiful peaceful time on many levels yeah because obviously like there's things happening all the time and everyone will look at it in different ways all the time different opinions but i know a lot of people who really found out a lot about themselves in, in that yeah. time what a beautiful gift we were given across the whole planet all at the same time. Like, wow. Stop. <laughs> we all did stop, literally. For once. Yeah. First time ever. 
And it was beautiful. New shoots came up, you know, the, 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 yeah. the, the fish coming back into the, the Venice canals, for example, is a really oh, good analogy, yeah. you know, of what happened when we switched everything off. Life. You know, it was beautiful. New parts in our system were able to emerge when all the armoring and the protection could, could relax. We discovered new parts within us. We like gardening. You know, we started focusing on exercise. We started focusing on being healthy. You know, seeing another human being became something to really relish and really cherish. We didn't have that before. And parts that wanted to connect in that way emerged. I mean, it was beautiful in, in that respect. Yeah, and a lot of people who couldn't go back to their old life, even when everything started again, a lot of people couldn't. People face couldn't, it. Couldn't go to the work because you knew it wasn't for them. A lot of people stopped drinking, smoking. A lot of people stopped many things. It was like, oh, yeah, that's what I learned from it. Yeah. Yeah. What a gift. <laughs> yeah. But that's all I wanted to speak about about parts. I do. I'm finishing it just with three little questions. But thanks for sharing everything. I'm definitely going to re-listen to all of that. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thanks for asking me. I could I could sit and talk about this all day. Yeah, I, I could as well. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it, these are just like free, like you know, just like quick questions, just an answer to see. It might not, might not be a quick answer, but it's just <laughs> the first one is what's the most important lesson that life has taught you? Don't take things seriously at all. Give you a short answer to that. Uh, that's probably one of the one of. The I, just, I just wanted to add on it because I don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no point. But yeah, something something in that area. Yeah, I think that definitely. Yeah, to tell people you don't exist, people be like. Oh, yeah, yes. don't worry. You don't have to think like that. <laughs> I believe that. The best bit of advice you would give to people who want to, who want to make a change, but are too anxious and fearful to do it, make those changes, just one. Maybe it's the same answer, you know, just yeah. whatever happens, just, just do it anyway. I mean, we've heard that one so many times. Yeah. You've got to do it anyway, but just don't take whatever happens personally. Mm. You know, start, yeah, something, something around, You've got no choice. You have to face into your fears. It's just going to keep coming back at you until you do. So bite the bullet. <laughs> Get yeah. some help. Do it. Yeah. And see where it takes you. Just do it. You've got no choice. True. <laughs> and the last one is best bit of advice you would give to an aspiring therapist. Ah, lovely. Lovely. Um, follow, follow the trailheads. Mm. Just, you know, the, 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 the right course will come up. You know, just, just go with the trailheads. Go with where your passion is and what excites you. Start off with the basic qualification. If you can, so it's not essential, but if you can, get that under your belt. And then just go and journey with it. Just see where it, just see where it takes you. 
I had no idea when I did my psychology degree what direction. I thought I had an idea, yeah. but I had no idea 20 odd years later I'd be sat here like this now here. No idea. And there was nothing I could have done to plan it or make any of that happen. I literally just follow the light <laughs> or the advice or whatever. Um, always and really really learn or find out how to be completely authentic in what you're doing and what you bring to any therapeutic relationship um, and be radically honest and, and through that process as a therapist as well prioritize your own journey your own transformation the more you heal the more you can help others heal your clients cannot go anywhere that you've not been so you have to go through that journey. We often, I definitely did, you know, starting off as the wounded healer. We start out wounded. We go on this journey. The, the absolute game changer was, was healing and no longer operating as a wounded person. Made all, makes all the difference. And that takes time. And it'll just happen however it's going to happen. But remember that it's about you. It's not really about helping others. You are here to realise you. <laughs> Don't forget that. <laughs> it's interesting that as well, because I bet, I guess you, your 20 years of experience, you can definitely say that all those people you've worked with have helped you become you. Like, like but finding out about being able to work with those people who've made to being able to help those people has made you go within yourself to be able to help those people. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, but that was, you know, that was my script. That was how it was going to happen for me. Yeah. You know, I've learned something from every single client that I've had, every single session that I've had with every single client. There's something for me in that. And it's important to not miss that. Yeah. It's important to go, why did that trigger me a little bit? Or why is that client, frustrating me a little bit or what is it and then making it about me not them not like because they're a frustrating person it's because I have a part in here that needs healing around frustration yeah. you know and the more I do that the more self-energy it naturally emerges the the the, the kind of um more more healing there's more healing that happens just because I'm clearing you know a channel for that to happen by doing by doing that own my own um, inner work yeah. that's essential and I think um, whatever your course is that anybody's doing some courses really prioritize that some of them don't at all but make it your own personal mission to make sure that that's what's actually happening find your way of doing that yeah, yeah well, that's good Dick Schwartz actually says, just, on, just to finish on that note, that he would rather sit with a therapist that is in self-energy, i.e. they've got the parts and they've healed or whatever, but they're just in pure self-energy, than be sat with the most qualified professor therapist in the world. Yeah. If he had a choice, that's where he would go, because that's where the healing is. Very true. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, thank you. No, thank you. And I don't know if there's anything you'd like to share at the end. I know you, you don't work with people anymore. Um, but you got. No, not so much. 
I'm, um, I'm involved in a project um, which is uh, a, in, a, in an amazing building called Manchester Monastery. Yeah. It's in Gorton in Manchester. And we launched um, my colleague and really good friend, Janine Go. We formed the CIC called the Sanctuary of Peace and Healing. And we are located in the monastery. They've given us a section of the building. And we've been developing a service from there. We've got grand ambition to create an alternative kind of mental health mm. service, basically a community-focused service. So at the moment, we've, got, we've trained 23 people in effective listening and also helped train them in some IFS stuff as well. And um, we're becoming a destination point for people to come and do their counselling placements with us when they finish their qualifications. So we've got 10 counsellors at the moment. And we're also tapping in now to social prescription um, avenues. So we're holding like crafting groups and we have a women's drop-in. We have a freedom program for women involved in domestic violence and men, not just women. Um, I'm doing an anxiety and depression drop-in that starts at the end of April. Combining these kinds of teachings, it's not a conventional anxiety and depression. It's, it's, it's actually a meta-awareness around anxiety and depression. Um, and we've got loads more things in the pipeline coming yeah. up, uh, which we're really excited about. So thank yeah, you for amazing. If you go on the website, if you go on the Manchester Monastery website and go on the drop-down bar for the sanctuary, and then there's details in there about what we're doing. And you can book onto if anybody wants free listening, a free listening session, you just come and talk or counselling, you can book directly online through that website. Amazing, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll definitely be checking that out. Yeah, <laughs> everything I that's hope going you can on. Get involved. <laughs> yeah, we'll be, so I'll be keeping in, like, yeah, deep checking the website. But said, yeah, well, I definitely will be. Brilliant. Well, yeah, thank you so much, Charmaine. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. Yeah, hope. You all found that as interesting as I, as I did. I hope that's helpful. I think, I think anyone who's listening, you should definitely look at checking out the monastery in Gorton, uh, where Charmaine's based and other therapists. Like, like you said, they've got that free listening service where you can go and just have a, look at a therapist there who will just listen to you speak. If you ever want that space and time to chat, I'd highly recommend that, but yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. And hope you're looking forward to the next one. Bye-bye.